You're listening to the Calvary Catechism Podcast, where we seek to defend doctrine, dispel deception, and develop disciples. We are continuing in Season 3 of the podcast, and today we're going to dive into the topic of creation, creation versus evolution, and many of the theories in between. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Calford Catechism season number tres. 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 Three. Can you say three in any other language besides Spanish and English? Um, I can say it in Japanese. What is it? I think. San. I thought you said that. I thought you were meaning I think. Is, I was like. No. <laughs> I was like, that's not it. No, San. I think it's Ichi Nichi San Chi. And that's all I remember um, from karate. Do I know it on the... I think it's literally like trios in Greek. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, that would be the only other language yeah. I know. I, I'm not sure. All right. Um, speaking of numbers, we're yeah. talking seven days of creation today. We are. We're on. We're we're on difficult doctrines. Yep. On creation. That's yep. that's that's a difficult doctrine. Yep. Now, uh, before we jump in, as always, we have our question of the day of the episode, which is this. And I don't think I've asked this before. I've wanted to. I hope I haven't asked it before. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, superpower. Oh, man. If I had any superpower, what would it be? Can I be like Solomon and say wisdom? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the greatest superpower, though. It's like... All right, so pick pick like a legit superpower, though, like comic book superpower. That, wis- that wisdom was supernaturally supernaturally given to Solomon by God. Are you really going to diss God's gift like that? All right. Well, listen, but while you're Jesus juking us, let me go ahead and say flight. Um, That was quick. If I could have any superpower, I would want to fly. Why? I just think it's awesome. I would love to be able to fly. Hmm. Super Saiyan. Yeah, I would love to fly like a Super Saiyan. No, that's that's my power. <laughs> yeah, but that's multiple powers. Though. I know. That's why I chose it. <laughs> it gives me the super strength. All right. All right. Well, it gives if me we're teleportation. Cheating. If we're cheating, then yes, flying. Super Saiyan. Yes. 100% Super Saiyan. All right. If we're cheating, then Super yeah, Saiyan. How in the world if is that cheating? If we're answering the question as in one superpower, okay. then flight. So you don't like Bible answer. You don't like Dragon Ball Z answer. <laughs> I have no idea what you want. Apart from your own preconceived answer. All right, let's start with our pre- preconceived notion that creation was seven days. Uh, we're just laying called, our cards on the table right away today. It's called truth. <laughs> so in talking about difficult doctrines, we're going to talk creation. Now, let me say this, because I, I just want to offend everybody right off the bat. Um, it's not normally like me, but for some I'm in a weird mood today. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see this as a difficult doctrine. Um, we're putting it in there because there are a lot of people who take a lot of viewpoints, sure. even people I have respect for who take different p- viewpoints to a degree. Um, yeah. and so I'm not, I'm not saying I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. I know everything. But to me, out of everything we've already covered so far, right. this is the one that is most plain in the scriptures. Um, yeah. I'm not saying they're not like scholarly, well thought out arguments to the contrary. I'm. Just to me, this one just seems plain. So, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think that um, uh, a plain reading of the text—that mm-hmm. is where 
you're pro- we're probably going to keep coming back to this. You and I are probably going to keep hitting on this. A plain reading of the text yeah. um, without any preconceived notions, right? without any um, presuppositions that are playing into your interpretation, you're going to come to a very, very simple conclusion. Right. That Genesis chapter 1 is referring to seven literal days of creation. Yes. Of creation. So, uh, helpful place for us to start, I believe, as we kick off this conversation, is to acknowledge the fact that there are differing opinions out there. Um, there are people who, who do believe God created, okay? So, I think all the views that we're going to mention are still all views that the God of the Bible created everything, but how that actually played out and the timeline of that and all of these things are where people begin to, to disagree and differ. Um, and, and this is something that has been debated for a long time, but it's something that even recently has come into light because I've heard some, uh, I, I, I won't mention a name because uh, it's not really super important, but there was a fairly popular theologian of our day who's widely accepted among many people of even different denominations who has, who has referred recently to Genesis as, um, oh, what's the term he used? Uh, basically, it's 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 literal, but it's also some myth. Um, it, it has fable. what's that? A fable? No, that wasn't the terminology he used, and I hope it comes to me. I, 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 but the terminology he used implied that there's some literal stuff in Genesis, but there's some mythological stuff in there as well that's more analogy than actual, you know, yeah. happening. So, and that's what this conversation often comes down to for people is, you know. Did Genesis, did Moses, when he wrote Genesis, really mean seven literal days of creation or not? Um, and so this is a debate that has happened for a long time. It's even currently going on. And I would say that it, that it stems in a lot of ways, for a lot of people, it stems from the fact that science, the world of science as a whole, yeah. is making claims about things like evolution that make Christians go, hey, is what we believe true then? If science is saying this, then maybe this belief we've held on to is not actually true. Um, and we'll get into a little bit more about that later. But that that's where a lot of this hinges on as well. If the science says this, then we need to make sure that, the, that, that what we believe about the Bible lines up with what science is saying. People wouldn't say it that way, but right. that's really how it often plays out. Yeah, because that's the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and I don't... Uh, the, uh, ah. Both of our hearts is uh, Kenny and I. We're, we're definitely not trying to name names for any of that reason, but in this particular context, I would actually think that it would be helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- I'm pretty confident you're referring to Wayne Grudem. Nope. Really? Nope. Did you hear about what? I did not hear about what Mr. Oh, Grudem said. So, so Wayne Grudem uh, actually he's a very respected, popular yeah. theologian yeah. that Kenny and I would probably we probably both have his. Systematic theology mm-hmm. textbook somewhere, mm-hmm. maybe on our computers or mm-hmm. on our bookshelf. But we read and referred to aspects of it before, and we would agree with a lot of it. Yeah, he actually made an addition recently where he has rejected creationism. I did not know that. Yeah, he changed his position. Interesting. Um, and that's one of those things where we're like, ah, you know. Um, but it goes back to what you're saying. So <clears throat> a lot of people, and maybe this is you. Maybe you've heard this before. You'll hear um, somebody present what they call an objective scientific fact that has a backing from the scientific community. And you're just like, you look at it, you read it, you study it, and say, this is just objective fact. 
Therefore, if the Bible seemingly goes against this objective fact, that means the Bible's wrong and it's contradictory. Or we're reading the Bible wrong. Which, yeah, or we're reading the Bible wrong. And so we have to respectfully understand Wayne Grudem, even in his heart, trying to think the best of him, thinking, ah, you know, this is an objective fact over here and the Bible can't be contradictory. I do believe that. Therefore, I just must be reading it wrong. Yeah. And so they changed their interpretation. So rather than the text just having its implicit meaning, rather than the text just meaning what it says from a plain reading, it can't mean that because that would mean it's contradicting truth. Right. Therefore, they take their presuppositions that they have extracted from some sort of scientific truth that is being presented to them, and they're reading that into the text. Yeah. And they're they're changing the definition and their interpretation, right? Of what the scripture is actually saying, right? Um, we're throwing around a lot. We're throwing around a lot of really big words and terms and presuppositions and preconceived notions, and we're like, ah, can we just really quickly read Genesis one verses one through five? Okay, Genesis one uh, verses one through five. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light and the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Hmm. This goes on uh, for... Um, quite a few verses into chapter 2, in explaining day by day the events of creation and the things that God did in creating them. If somebody were to read that, and when I say somebody, I mean an 8-year-old. I mean a 5-year-old. And if you were to give them this and they were to read this, what kind of conclusion do you honestly think they would come to? That's my honest question to you. Do, Do you really think that they would say, ah, and then the evening, morning, first day, six million years later. Yeah. <laughs> in what world do we actually think that that's the plain meaning right. that the author's intent was? Right. It's not. Right. So this is why Kenny and I are saying difficult doctrine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But go ahead. Uh, I mean, to, to play devil's advocate and to be, at the same time, trying to be fair to those who teach other viewpoints, you know, I don't... They they wouldn't say. Uh, I I don't want to imply motives or, or put words into their mouth, yeah. but you know I, I don't I think that that's an easy thing to say, right? That sounds like oh you know we win because we said if a five year old can read it and think this, then that must be true. Scripture is at times uh, I think I can use this word here complex, and and there are things to it that mm-hmm. you can't just give it to a five year old and they know everything that's being said, no, right? I agree. So we get that. I agree. Um, but what we're saying is. To us, you have to read so much into this account to make it mean something different. Yeah. You, you have to pull things from outside of the scripture, even, to make this mean something different. Um, I don't think I've ever heard an argument, and I could be wrong about this, that has ever taken other portions of scripture to bear on Genesis 1 and said, see, Scripture testifies that this was not seven literal days, that there's, there's more going on here than what we see. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a principle in Bible study 
that um, I actually was reminded of from Mr. Keith Foskey that we had on the podcast um, that says, Scripture uh, cannot, sorry, the text cannot mean what it does not say, Mm. right? When reading the Bible, the text cannot mean what it does not say. Right. And unless you've got other scriptural evidence for yeah. scripture to interpret scripture that says otherwise, right. you've got to read what the text says and believe what the text says, right? right? So that's, that's the approach that we take when we come to something like creation. It, it seems plain. It seems obvious. We'll talk about the other views. I'm not saying that they're unintelligent. I'm not saying they don't have some things that they brought to bear that, that led them to this conclusion. We're just saying this seems to be the most obvious plain reading of the text. So Right. And, and what we're saying is that, and I think, we can confidently proclaim this, that if you don't take presuppositions into this, and I don't think, and I don't think at all that people who would hold to these other theories would disagree with the fact that they're holding on to presuppositions. They're just saying, because we all have presuppositions. Mm -hmm. So I hope y'all understand that we all have presuppositions and we all come to the table with them to walk around and say, ah, I have zero presuppositions when I come to the text. Right. You probably have the most. Yeah. So uh, a good example of one is God's word is infallible. It's perfect. Right. That's my presupposition. And I actually, when I'm evangelizing to somebody, I, I, I say, hey, I'm going to lay out my cards on the table. I think and I believe with full conviction that God's word is perfect. Right. That's my presupposition. Therefore, right. I'm going to go to it. Right. So... If other people, like Wayne Grudem, are coming to this argument with a presupposition that we should and have to and need to use extra-biblical sources in order to correctly understand and interpret the text, then I can understand how they're getting to this. Right. To your point. Yeah. We don't think it's like, oh my goodness, how are you? Yeah. No, I get that. Uh, in this day of evolution, right. and theistic evolution, and different things that we're going to talk about later. Um, but what if you stick to the text exclusively? Right. To your point, what if we only read the Bible? Yeah. And what if we let the Bible interpret the Bible, plain reading of the text, look at the grammar, evaluate it within its original languages, look at the syntax, and and just and like just read it. Yeah. What if we just read it? Yeah. What conclude? I don't think that you can come to a conclusion other than. Yeah. Ours. Yeah. The the seven day creationism. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to set all this up. That was a long Intrude. introduction, but that's okay. Because now we're going to get into, um, and I believe you have them in front of you or written down somewhere, the different views. We're going to give kind of a synopsis of what the different views are. Not all of them, and we won't go into all the details of them, but just so you are aware initially, if you're not already, what other views do people hold? If because you might be listening to this and you go, "What do you, what do you mean there are other views?" I thought, I thought everybody, I thought every Christian believed that the Earth was created mm-hmm. in seven days. Um, right. You might not even be aware that this this is a thing. So, let's, uh, Travis, you have them, I think, in front of you. Let's talk briefly about what are the other views, um, and then we'll get into it. Right. So, defining ours, we're, okay. cre- we're creationists. Mm-hmm. Uh, creationism. We we believe in a literal creation. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe that Genesis 1 and 2 and the, the creation account, which a little portion of it in verses 1 through 5, we just read it, that account that we're specifically talking about, Genesis, uh, we don't think that that is a myth. We do not believe that that was a fable or a story or an allegory. We don't think that it was poetry, right. uh, Jewish poetry. I've heard that before. 
I, I don't even I don't have a problem saying that it was poetry as long as you believe it was historical poetry. There you go. Historic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Even if. Yeah. Even if Moses took some artistic liberty yeah. in explaining, uh, I don't even want to. I don't even feel comfortable saying that. Right. Whatever. So all we're trying to say is we believe it to be historical fact. We believe it yep. to be absolutely historically accurate. A representation of what actually occurred. Yep. We believe in a literal seven-day, twenty-four-hour period creation yep. of everything. Yep, that God spoke into existence from nothing. We believe that before the foundation of the world, I call it Genesis zero. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. God was alone. Mm-hmm. He was by himself within his perfect Trinitarian state of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yep, he needed nothing. It, it, it was it. Yep. And he would have been completely, perfectly fine, awesomely content forever yep. like that. Yep. But him, within his sovereign, perfect will, decided to create. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because he's a creator. And whatever he wants to do, he does. He's in the heavens and he does whatever he wants. Yep. Psalm 115. So he created. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God created. And it was evening and it was morning and that was day one. And he created light and darkness. And then he created everything else flowing from that in six literal days, mm-hmm. 24-hour periods, uh, which uh, the, the Hebrew word yom is where the, is the word that we get day there. And if you do a, a word study of that and you start looking at it contextually, you're going to see that this word literally means day mm-hmm. within a 24-hour period. Um, so just a normal reading of this, uh, grammatical um, Word study of it, you're gonna you're gonna get to the, the the very plain reading that hey, everything was created in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Yep. Did he need rest? Nope. Nope. He just did it because he wanted to show us a pattern for what it looks like to rest, and that's the creation account, according to us and what we believe and hold to, and what's called creationism. Do you have any yep. any other thoughts that maybe I missed out on? Or? Uh, I mean, I think foundationally, that's that's it. Um, uh, we're going to get deeper into it, so I'll, I'll kind of withhold some comments until we get deeper into this stuff. Um, but let's uh, let's do what I was saying. Let's let's go into what are some of the other views. Again, briefly, we don't have time, nor do we necessarily desire to expound deeply upon every single view. Um, but we do want to address them, yeah. kind of tackle them a little bit, and say why we don't think that it's right. So, All right. So the one I don't have in front of me right here. But it has to be first, and we have to talk about it because it's the feeder into all the other ones is Darwinian right. evolution. Right. Um, Darwinian evolution is anti-creation. Anti-creation. <laughs> it's the catalyst for all these other theories. Right. Essentially, um, because it has been, man, it it basically I've heard it said before it it, it kicked the the door open, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, it kicked the door open on just a widespread secularism. Uh, this intellectual secularism, this anti-God culture that we're in the midst of right now, that basically you're a fool and an idiot if you believe that there's a God. Right. This Darwinian evolution theory, right. uh, which the Big Bang theory is right. tied into all this, um, just kicked the door open to secularism. A flood and a tidal wave of this academia came in, and all these other theories that we're going to talk about really flow from that. Um, 
and really the big bang theory essentially that there were there there was something in the beginning right um what exactly that is there's a lot of back and forth within their own literature mm-hmm. between the molecules and the matter and whatever that matter may have been um people who might be listening to this who believe it is probably going to like blow me up for like you know nothing <laughs> yeah fair enough i'm actually not that smart but from what i've read and listened to um which on this topic quite a bit there's a lot of back and forth between yeah. what was there in the beginning right. that caused this massive explosion right the big bang that eventually led to this Evo- this, this, this evolution of humanity, species, yeah. of species mm. of micro and macro um, biological evolution that has resulted in where we're at today. Right. From plasma to fish to land creature to monkey to man yeah. to however mm. you want to look at it and however you want to define it. Um, that is the secular completely accepted as fact un- unequivocally accepted like you go to college that's just that's just what it is yeah it's just what it is you, you just you're i can't believe that you would disagree right with how much evidence that has been i mean it just is what it is yeah so what's your thoughts on the darwinian evolution uh, one disclaimer, we're not saying that everybody who disagrees with the literal seven-day creation is a full-on Darwinian evolutionist. True. We'll talk about the nuance to that, but, um, you know, I mean, my thoughts on it are initially, I think you're right. I think that that theory is what has fed into all these other views that we're going to talk about, because in some way, shape, or form, every other view besides the seven-day literal creationism at some point makes a statement along the lines of, well, science found this to be true. That seems to contradict our belief in a literal seven-day creation, so we need to adjust. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of science, but let's all acknowledge, I think all of us can acknowledge, that, that the term settled science is an oxymoron, or it should be, right. um, because science always changes. I mean, the nature of science is as we get more knowledge, we, we readjust our, our theory. It's a practice. It's not, a, it's not something that's set in stone all the time. And so right. that has to be acknowledged as well as we talk about all these things. And, and I just want to say, um, I recently, in, in a podcast that I do uh, called Hold Fast, I, I, I addressed this very, very briefly, where somebody made the claim that the church is rejecting science, Right. And I said, we're not rejecting science. We're right. simply saying when science makes a statement that's, that contradicts what Scripture says, I'm going to believe Scripture over science yep. because it's very possible that science is wrong. Scripture cannot be wrong, okay? It, and to be fair, what does science say about itself? That it could be wrong. Right, yeah. They're saying I can yeah. be wrong. Bible yeah. says I can't be wrong. Right. What do you want me to do? Right. I'm going to trust the objective truth. Yeah. The absolute versus the... Yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing with my hands yeah. type argument. Yeah. You know what goes hand in flipper with this conversation is the seven-day literal creationism mm-hmm. and old versus young earth. Right. And that's something that it's just going to come up. And yeah. it's something that it just naturally, within all these theories, Yep. Um, how old's the earth? Uh, go ahead. 
Eleventy <laughs> billion years. Eleven. <laughs> oh man, don't ask me that question. What do you mean um, don't ask you that question? I don't I mean I I am a I'm of the belief that it is somewhere in the six thousands range, um, because as best that scholars have been able to to deduce and find out as you look at the timeline of of uh, genealogies and things like that in scripture that's kind of the the number that we come up with um you know there's some give and take there i think in that in that number yeah but i don't think you can give and take millions of years um give or take a thousand yeah yeah i think give (laughs) or take a thousand or so that's fine um but give or take millions i just i don't see that as a possibility um so yeah, I mean that that definitely plays into the conversation as well. Um, at some point, we're going to get into all these theories, though the other the other theories. I'm just saying. <laughs> that was the, so that that's a <laughs> passive aggressive way of Kenny saying start reading them. So you are a flaming fool who actually believes that the Earth is six to ten thousand years old. Yeah. Versus sixty four billion. I am. Me too. So that is crazy to think about, though. Mm-hmm. But they play. They, like these two questions go together. How old's the earth? How did everything get created? Yeah. And um, it's so important because from our very first theory that we talked about, evolution, mm-hmm. they argue for uh, a pr- the evolutionary process is billion. It takes billions of years. Yeah. And because it takes billions of years for these species to evolve into what they are, for everything to have uh, really formed and, 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 and arrived in the areas that they've arrived, even within our solar system, it took a long time. And it was by, it was by complete chance. Yeah. It was by complete, just luck of the draw yep. that the earth is rotating in the place where it is in space, exact distance away from the sun that it is rotating, the speed that it's rotating. Yep. That is all by perfect chance. And that's why we're all here. Well, and I think that it's important to point out the fact here that I'm not rejecting science entirely. Like, I'm, I'm actually saying there, I believe there's a, a, a plethora of scientific evidence that points to a young earth. Um, right. And I think that, again, I'm no expert in that. And if right. you want to debate me purely on the basis of science, you'll probably win that debate because I'm not an expert in the scientific field. Me too. Um, and I'm okay admitting that because that's not my goal. Right. Um, and I also don't believe... So, so here's the other thing. You, you, you kind of touched on this earlier, but I think it's worth diving into. In order to get to some of these theories that you're about to read, you must know some of this science. I don't think... Right. Because you said it earlier, to read the text, mm-hmm. it's, it's clear, seven-day creation, right? Yep. Um, if you don't know any of the science, that's what you're going to believe, yep. right? Now, all these people want to get into, well, what about the Hebrew culture and what would they have heard at that? Again, those are things that you can't just know, right. like today. And I believe that God, in His faithfulness and in, his pre- preservation, in the preservation of His Word, would have, would have given some indicator, like some indicator that... You don't need to be an expert in science to be right. able to trust God at his word that it wasn't the seven-day literal creation, right? So I think that that's a point to be made as well. Like, I'm not trying to reject science, um, but at the same time, I don't think that you have to be an expert in science to be able to truly understand the scriptures. But these other viewpoints 
to some degree, that's kind of implied that you need to know the science. You need to know the science, you need to know the, all the history and all the context and everything that science has discovered in order to fully understand Genesis 1. Yeah, these viewpoints don't exist without Darwin. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. They're born from it. Right. Uh, they've been begotten by it. Right. Whether they want to confess that or not, um, which is sad. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it, and a lot of it comes down to, to your point here, to evidence. If you um, are looking at the evidence that is provided for an old earth mm-hmm. um, argument, there's going to be a young earth scientist yep. who sees that very same piece of evidence and says, well, that supports me. Yep. So it's kind of like the O.J. Simpson glove. So what happens when you have a smoking gun mm-hmm. piece of evidence that is literally damning right. in a case against a guy who slaughtered somebody? Mm-hmm. People, that very same piece of evidence is what set that joker free. Right. Right? Because of poor evidence processing, right. which that, that, that sucks. But regardless, you got that one piece of evidence yeah. that was a smoking gun that was also the same piece of evidence that was viewed differently by the jury and looked at it and said, oh, it doesn't fit. Must yeah. have not actually. So it's fascinating to think about that evidence, depending on who is studying it, observing it, means different things to different people. Yeah. So when we look at the different theories, um, I don't want Kenny to fight me. So <laughs> I've tried the, to do this for the past 20 minutes now. <laughs> dog. <laughs> there were important things. So the first theory, I guess the second theory, third theory, because we did creationism and then we just did uh, Darwinian evolution. And now we're going to do gap theory. Okay. So gap theory is... Not like where I buy my clothes at. No, exactly like that. Okay. okay. <laughs> so literally, go to Gap. Uh, my mom likes their jeans. I got you. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Um, she, she just likes... <laughs> <laughs> she does. She likes her jeans. Um, so Gap Theory, um, th- this is one of three theories from the quote-unquote Christian evolution side. Right. Um, and they're all stemming from Darwin. So this is, one, this is the first of the three that we're going to talk about. So basically, I'm, I'm going to just read it so I don't mess up the, the definition by its own word. The gap theory is the view that God created a fully functional earth with all animals, including the dinosaurs and other creatures we know only from fossil record. Then, as the theory goes, something happened to destroy the earth completely. Uh, most likely the fall of Satan. That, 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 that's, uh, that's an argument that they make so that the planet became without form and void, which we're introduced to in Genesis 1. At this point, God started all over again, recreating the earth in its paradise form as further described in Genesis. And the gap theory, which is distinct from the two other theories that we're going to talk about, um, it just depends. They also... They also hold to old earth creationism. Some do to uh, older earth, which would be a billion year earth uh, gap in kind of a ruin reconstruction theory. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, this is the one that um, I actually heard first about in college because one of the schools I went to, we used the Schofield reference Bible um, a lot. And yeah. Schofield was the one who made this pretty popular when he yeah. was around in, what, the late 1800s, maybe, um, I think. Anyway, uh, he made this pretty popular. It was a note in his Bible, um, and I, there's a little bit of respect to have for this view more than some of the others because I think this view is 
partly an attempt to explain Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, right? So why is it that you have Moses say that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, Spirit of God's hovering over the face of the waters, but nothing's been created yet, right? Like that's the question that arises, and so this is partly an attempt to answer that and to say, Something happened, right, that we don't see in the text, and we, so we're trying—we we, kind of—they they would say, I think, we kind of have to read between the lines a little bit to figure out what exactly went on, and that's kind of where this theory partly comes from. So the reason I have a little bit more respect for that is it's trying to engage with the text a little bit more than it's engaging with science itself. It is trying to say, okay, this is what the Scripture says. What does that mean? Um, I just disagree with the conclusion uh, that it came to. Um, yeah. So I think it's fast. I think it's a fascinating— um, theory, mainly because obviously it being influenced by uh, Darwinian evolution, they get this whole old Earth type style, billions of years old. Um, because that's because what why the big question is why was it developed? Why was this theory created? Mm-hmm. And to say, well, they just wanted to. You're not saying this. To say, oh, they just wanted to explain Genesis one one. Right. That's not true. Right. They saw fossils. Yeah. They saw a museum with dinosaurs and right. said, "How do I explain that?" Right. Once again, we get this scientific, objective, quote unquote, truth being presented, and they're saying, "We're not saying dinosaurs didn't exist, by the way." Um, <laughs> not what I'm saying. Dinosaurs. Jurassic Park has completely convinced me. Um, <laughs> I do love that movie. Um, but for real, dinosaurs did exist, but that's a different discussion for a different day. But basically, um, they're, they're seeing this objective truth from the scientific community, and they're saying, this doesn't necessarily, in my head, fit in the right, text. Right. Therefore, they have to make it fit. Yeah. And what I think is so fascinating is there's no way around this. This is not being disrespectful towards the proponents nor the creator of this theory. Hopefully, you know, it is disrespectful probably a little bit, and it should be, because, like, they, they done jacked up. I'm serious. Like, Because they're wrong. They're dead wrong. <laughs> like, they really are. They legitimately created this story, yeah. this theory. In no way do you get that from yeah. the text. Yeah. So I guess when I'm—I I know the word theory, they're like, oh, okay, it's just a theory, right? Right. Like, something happened— before Genesis 1-1, that God already created everything, and then Mm -hmm. something happened to destroy everything. Mm -hmm. Like, like you literally made up a story. Yeah. Like, it's not even like they can't even... When you talk to a Mormon, they they quote a text in the Bible and then create this crazy doctrine from it. At least they quoted a text. Right. These jokers are like, hey, get this, get this, get this. (laughs) Like... God created something, something happened, it blew right, up, right. and then you recreated it. I don't get it. Um, Not trying to be rude. No, but here's another thing that bothers me about all these other views. Um, Darwinism, in part, I mean, it seems clear that a big motive of Darwin's was to squash the theory that God exists. Oh, yeah. So Christians come along and they're like, I know you're trying to get rid of the fact that God exists, but we're going to take all of your theories. And you're in, right about stuff. In they disproving agree. God. Right. And we're going to say you're right about all that. You're just not right that it means that God doesn't exist. Right. Like, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm probably being unfair a little bit in how I said that. I'm not trying to be unfair, but that's how I see it, where it's like you're, 
And this is what Christians are even doing with the modern science community. And they're saying, yeah, the Bible says all this stuff, but look, I mean, science is telling us this. Yeah. And they're haters of God, and they don't, they don't want us to believe in God, but let's, let's give them some ground, and hopefully they'll respect us more. Hopefully, and, and, and I've, I've heard this argument. Mm-hmm. I've heard this argument from people who have said, yeah, but if, if we can give the science community some more ground and say, look, you, we're not discounting any of the stuff that you say. We just, we just b- believe that God did it, right? right. Th- they'll, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll believe in God because it's not you know, rejecting their beliefs and their views of science. And so that's problematic for me um, because you're not at that yeah. point really seriously engaging with the scriptures. You're trying to bring science to bear on what God has said um, and science is not fact and truth. God is truth. Uh, science is theory. Yeah, I would love to make this really a, like a shepherding moment for people who their true hearts are what you're saying there, to evangelize yeah. maybe, to reach. I think it's a good motive. They have a good motive to talk to somebody and say, okay, you're right about that. The earth is 64 billion years old, but God did it. Right. The Big Bang happened, but who created the Big Bang? Yeah. God did I get your heart behind that. I truly do. But here's the issue. You're not being consistent with it. Mm-hmm. You see, when you're communicating with somebody who truly do, they, they have these scientific beliefs and presuppositions in their head, and they think that you're Stone Age, right. fossilized dummy for what you believe, the worst thing that you can do is throw out the old, yeah, I agree with you, and I know the Bible says different things, but you just got to have faith. Right. Well, now you're abusing the word, right. and I've heard that term so often, it's sad. You're abusing the word and the term faith. Mm-hmm. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean just uh, an, an, an illogical leap of faith that has no grounds in reason. Right. That's, that's not what faith means. Yeah. So what what would be more helpful is if you were consistent— mm-hmm. And saying, no, this is what the Bible says. I believe that the Bible was God's word and that's perfect. And this is what I stand on. And this is what's true. And at that point, at least you're remaining consistent rather than compromising in kind of like a buffet style, picking and choosing a little bit of every single theory just to agree for the sake of agreeing. This may be the worst point to make because... I'm sure that people would have would kind of just roll their eyes when I say this. It's it's kind of kind of a Jesus juke moment, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do it. Um, science would tell you that people don't raise from the dead, too, right? Mm-hmm. So wh- why are we taking our cues from science? Like yeah. why why are we saying, oh, well, let's let science tell us what's possible and what's not? And furthermore, so here's another here's a counter argument I've heard people say. Isn't it possible? Like, couldn't God have chosen to do it this way instead, to, to use the process of evolution and all this stuff? Could he have done that? Um, I guess in, in one sense you could say, you know, God could do whatever he wants, yeah. but he's told us what he did, right? He, he has told us what he did. And I, again, I think in order to get to that place of saying, well, you know, maybe God did choose to do it this way. The only reason you're in that place of questioning that is because science has told you something contrary to scripture. Yep. And now you're trying to say, well, let's make them both work. Yep. Um, and it's like you just said, uh, I, we've got to be okay with being thought of as crazy at times. Mm. Um, man, that's just a principle in Christianity in general more and more, right? Where yeah. culture's looking at us and saying, y'all are, y'all are nuts, 
Like, how could you possibly, it's 2022 now. Like, how could you possibly think that there's only two genders, right? Mm. How, could you, how could you possibly think that, that God created everything in seven literal days and the earth is only six to 10,000 years old? Like, right. look at all this evidence that we have. Look at all this stuff that we can, we can prove to you. And it's hard. And, and I understand the draw to want to not be, you know, crazy and, and right. thought of as illogical, but we got to stand on what the word says. Amen. No, I totally agree with you. Um, that leads us to our second theory. Um, well, once again, fourth, how many do we? Fourth theory. Fourth theory, second underneath the umbrella of quote Darwinism. unquote Christian um, evolution. Evolution theories. Theistic evolution. Theistic evolution, according to this view, God created the building blocks and natural laws with the eventual emergence of life in mind. However, early on he stepped back and let his creation take over. He let it do what it was designed to do, and life eventually emerged from non-living material. Um, this is the one that's most similar to um, Darwinian evolution, yeah. like verse by verse, essentially, yeah. except that there is a God. Right. There is Instead a, of a Big Bang, there's a God. Exactly. God, I, I, and this is where I... I th- it would depend. I'm not saying all people. This is where some of these proponents would say that there was even a Big Bang. Right. But God created it. Right. Um, and that God created uh, this entire... Really, he just created the Big Bang. Yeah. And then sat back. And they they call it the watchmaker theory mm. as well, where he kind of creates the watch and sits back and lets his creation go and just lets it tick. Lets right. it go on. Right. Um, and do what it does. Yeah. So... This is the one that's most similar to it because it allows for the entire billions and billions and billions of year process of evolution to occur. But, you know, just because they want to give the nod to the whole Bible thing, they say, oh, yeah, there's a God. Right. And those things happened. Yeah. Some of them at some point. Right. Within 64 billion years. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 139 Mm. comes to mind immediately. God says, I formed you in your inward parts. Mm, if, if this theory is right, and you take it to its logical conclusion, yeah. Psalm 139 is not true, mm. because you and I are just a result of evolution. Random that chance. God started yep. in their mind, but he, he stepped back. Yep. He didn't form you and knit you together in your mother's womb. Evolution did that. They're saying that they knew. Right. That life was going to come. Right. They're saying that God knew life was going to come, but I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, and I don't know the appeal of this view for a Christian. For a Christian, what is the appeal in saying God was not really personally involved in every aspect of his creation? That takes away from much of the, his relational nature. That takes away from just the beauty of the truth of Psalm 139, like I just said. Yep. Um, There's no intimacy and and here's another point, and this him. this is this kind of is overarching with many of these theories that that Christians hold. Um, I think that anything that does not uh, preach a seven day literal creation, the creation of the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, in day six, um, I think it has a strong potential to undermine the doctrine of original sin, mm. because if evolution is true, then like at what point? In the evolutionary process, did it become possible for mankind to sin? Right. Right? Adam and Eve, were they really the first 
people or whether like they're the first full-fledged humans. Right. Right. Like that's some people would say that. Right. And I know there are people out there who say that, yeah, but like yeah. what, where does that, how do we define that timeline? Right. And once again, where'd you get that from? Yeah. And where did, where do you pull that from? You're pulling it from some of the things that science suggests, but here's the problem with that. Science continues to say, we think this was the, the first civilization. And then years down the road, they find something else. And like, we think this was the first civilization. The needle right. keeps moving. Right. Yeah. And so at what point does that stop? And at what point are people going to finally say, because science has come out even recently and said, you know, we used to say that there's no, there's no possibility that there was like a first man and woman, but now we think there's a possibility of that. Mm. General, there's a general consensus about that. But they still believe evolution got them to that point. But again, right. how do you define that? How do you define the moment that Adam and Eve became the first man and woman apart from they were created by God on day six, right? right. And so I think that then undermines... It, it has the strong potential to undermine the doctrine of original sin as well. So it's not just it like, does. what do we think about creation? It's, it also plays into some of these other foundational doctrines too. Yeah. I mean, man, every single doctrine, quote unquote, is up for debate once you adopt this viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Because where we're going to eventually land is, you know, what is the Bible, mm -hmm. right? Um, is it a Nice book. Is it a good philosophical textbook? Is mm -hmm. it, you know, some guidelines? I got yelled at once because they told me that um, the word Bible, you know, Bible, the Bible, is, uh, was it like an acronym? Basically, they said that it was an acrostic that stood for basic information before leaving the earth. Right. And that's I've just what, that. that's what the Bible is, and that's what it stands for, basic information. Right. And I'm just, and you know, at the time I was like, oh, well, that's cool. That, sound, that makes sense, you know. I wasn't saved, but then I'm like, it literally comes from Biblion. It means book, you yeah. know. Like, I don't, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. But what do you believe about the Bible? Is it just a book or is it the inspired word of God? Right. Um, and where you land on that is where it's going to tell you everything that you need to know. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, that's more of our landing uh, let's talk briefly about this final uh, theory. Number five? Uh, creationism, evolution. Yeah, number five. Mm -hmm. um, what is the day-age theory? Day-age theory. This is the last one. This one is probably the most simple to understand. Uh, they believe that the word, the Hebrew word yom, which we referred to later, earlier, the, the, the word that we translate into English into day, uh, does not refer to a literal 24-hour period. It was not a literal evening-morning scenario. It was... Um, except, in, except that the Bible says evening and morning. Ex <laughs> except for the whole, like, it was morning and evening in the first day. They say that it was... Uh, the word day actually means an undefined period of millions of years, an, an eon, an age, whatever it may be. Millions plus years. Mm -hmm. Uh, these are the people though. The, the, these are the people which you, you, you made a reference earlier to the gap theory yeah. where you're like, you know, I can, I can at least under, you know, I appreciate what they're saying here type deal. Um, these are the people where I'm like, it, they at least grab a verse, right? They grab the verse out of Peter and mm -hmm. says a day to the Lord yeah. is like a thousand years to him. Yeah. So they're like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. It's yeah. done. Yeah. That's just not true, but it's, go it's, ahead. It's not proper hermeneutics uh, in many ways. Uh, um, this is, 
you know, I don't know if we've ever talked about proof texting specifically in, mm. in, on the podcast, but I don't know. proof texting is, you know, taking a verse, you have a theory, you have a belief. So you take a verse that seems to support that and you use that verse, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not properly exegeting and studying through the meaning and the context of the scriptures. You just found a verse that says what you want it to say and what you need it to say, right? So, um, I don't know this to be true, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to guess that the, the original proponents of this theory started with their theory and then they said, wait a minute, there's a verse in Peter that helps us out here, <laughs> right? Like that we, we're saying this because science says that it must be millions of years and we're saying, okay, we'll do that. What, what verse can we use? There's a verse that supports that for us, right? right, right. And that is not at all what Peter's intent is. He's not talking about that. Um, and, and again, this is just, it's an effort to take Bible verses and make them agree with science. And I don't see this in a plain literal reading of the text. Matter of fact, I think Genesis 1, more than any other passage, just disputes it. it it's so clear. In that first day, day one, it says, God created light and he separated the light from the darkness. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. I think Moses is, is intentional with that to let you know right off the bat, we're talking seven literal days here, people. Yep. Um, so that's, anyway. Yeah, and you know what? I've talked to a lot of people, though, who have a natural confusion right. about this theory right. because of this verse. Yeah. So to be really true and helpful and like, hey, no, I, I, I understand that you guys are actually confused here. Yeah. So don't want to act like at all. We're like, ah, but let's let's look at it, right? It's actually in Second Peter chapter three, and um, it's talking about false teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the letters that Peter wrote, uh, the the two main letters, First and Second Peter, were, were talking. His audience was a group of people who were struggling under persecution, um, and there were a lot of false teachers. And Second Peter is like the false teacher book, right. basically just laying out um, what they're like, what to watch out for what they do, false teachers, and just how really jacked up they are. Then verse 8 in chapter 3, 2 Peter, uh, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as of one day. Uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should repent. I'm sorry, not wishing that any should perish. <laughs> That's how you mess up a verse. Wow. But that all should reach repentance. I'm sorry. Sorry, God. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will all be exposed. So talk about a paragraph that has no confusing <laughs> verses or controversial <laughs> verses. Like that whole paragraph is like one big debate. <laughs> But legit, so... And Peter said Paul was hard, hard to understand. Literally, in the next paragraph, he's like, by the way, I know, I know Paul's hard to understand. You're like, oh, that's just lack of humility. But look at this. So, one, just from a syntactical standpoint, the Lord, uh, with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. What, would, what did we learn back in second grade? When you make a comparison between two things using the words like or as... It's called a simile, mm. right? A simile. Because it's similar. Because it's similar. It's just trying to make a comparison <laughs> yeah, between yeah. two things, right? 
That's all it is. I, I saw this, and we, we just went through the baptism of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit descends as a dove. Right? Correct. So Correct. Yeah. didn't literally come down in the form of a literal dove, but as a dove. Okay. Right. There's, yes, go ahead. Sorry. And, no, th- th- that's exactly the point here. And don't, don't miss the point of this text of what we just read. It's actually a really beautiful text. It's, it's, it's making a reference to the e- eternality of God. God is outside of time, mm-hmm. right? He's transcendent, yet he's imminent, yet he's close, and he's relational with his people. But the fact remains, he's outside of time and space. Yeah. He's looking at his creation as if it's like a timeline, looking at point A, which is Genesis 1, and looking at Revelation 21. Yep. He's, he sees the beginning to the end. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. Yet he's, out, he's outside of that. So a day to him is like a thousand years. Or a thousand years is like one day. He flips it around as well. So the opposite has to be true. Right. And he's also imminent. He's close. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's relational with his people. So, and, and he's not... And, and the whole point of it is he's not slow to fulfill his promise, as some yeah. count slowness. And that's why that's why he even brought this up. That there were so many people who were like, "When is Christ going to come back? Yep. Like, is he going to take forever? Like, he's being really slow right now." Yep. And Peter was like, "He's not being slow. Mm-hmm. He's he's outside of time, and a day to him could be a thousand. And look look what it's been. Yep. It's already been two thousand plus years yep. since the events transpired. So yeah, um, <clears throat> God's not slow. So." D- you can't strip a verse out of context in order to present it as a proof text for a fallacious view on creation, right? which is what we argue the day-age yeah. theory does. I think another point against the day-age theory is um, the Sabbath, because when God institutes the Sabbath day for the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. he references back to... I rested on the seventh day, mm-hmm. and therefore you will rest on the seventh day. And again, mm-hmm. this isn't—I'm not saying this is the most like clear-cut argument against it, but I, I think again, there's an assumption yeah. there that's yeah, no, being made yeah. that this was an actual day I that rested God rested on a day. You right? rest on a day, exactly. So again, I think the burden of proof is on those who would claim day-age theory because right. Scripture is clear. I mean, to me, it's clear. You want to come come with some scriptural evidence that would come to the contrary? I'm all ears. Right, but right. the Peter verse, you know, you, you mentioned it. I think it's self-defeating in the fact that if all Peter had said is a day is as a thousand years, there'd be more plausibility maybe to what they're saying, yeah. potentially. But like you said, Peter also flipped it around and said, and a thousand years is like a day. Yeah. Because Peter's not saying, he's not, not literally, he's not literally saying in God's timeline, one day of our yeah. day is like a thousand days in his, or a thousand years, whatever. Yeah. He's just saying he's outside of time, right? So uh, he's not. That's not the argument Peter's making. It's a self-defeating argument if that's the verse that you're going to use. Yeah, you know how frustrating it is, and everybody can relate to this. When you're talking to somebody, maybe you're trying to have a very serious, intentional conversation with somebody about something that you really need to communicate. Yeah, and you say something in order to try and explain your point. Yeah. And they take the thing that you used and run with it in the opposite direction and totally miss the point that you're presenting. Yeah. It is just confounding. It's just like, no. Yep. I can just um, I can just see Peter being like, you got that yeah. out of this? <laughs> like, what in the world, yeah. bro? Like, yeah. So 
where do we land with all this? God made the earth in seven days. That was it. Point blank period fact, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let me let me implications. Why does this matter? Like, what do we come like? Where's our landing pad? I want to be careful because I, I think that I've, I've maybe, I'll admit, I think I've maybe had a tendency to be a little bit snarky in this episode. Yeah, that, me too. That's not my, that really genuinely has not been my intent. Um, that's just who we are. That's, we're having fun. <laughs> we've recorded a lot of episodes today, so we're just, we're, we're at that point now. We're just like, we're like senile. <laughs> Sinners! Sinners! Yeah. yeah. Um, it matters because the Bible matters. Mm. And if, if now the game has changed in Bible interpretation to, to be that I've got to take what society says and then reconsider what the Bible says because science and society have determined this, right. then at what point do we have to finally admit, you know what, the Bible's not perfect? Mm. Um, because everybody before Darwin, who would have called themselves believers, I mean— what what did they have? Like science wasn't saying anything contrary to this. So did they all just have it wrong at that point, right. or was scripture enough for them too? Right. 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 Uh, and so this this goes to the sufficiency of scripture and saying, do I need science to tell me what scripture's saying, or do I just need scripture? Mm. Um, and I think that matters. Um, I don't think you have any of these other theories apart from science. I don't think you get any of these theories from the scripture alone. Right. Um, and something as important and foundational as creation, I believe God has given us what we need to know about that, and he laid it out plainly. And if we don't bring in other outside supposed authorities, even though they're not, in science and culture and what all these people are saying, then we don't get to any of these other theories. What we simply see is what the Bible says. So this matters because the Bible matters. And this matters in our evangelism because, and we've already said this, but let me reiterate, if, if you're going to just continue to bend and say, okay, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's just agree to disagree. Let's just say that, you know, the earth is old and all this stuff doesn't really matter. What matters is that you believe in Jesus. Well, but it does matter because is the Bible trustworthy or not? If the Bible's not trustworthy, then why is it trustworthy that the story of Christ happened? Right. And why is it trustworthy that he is our savior if you can't trust the account of creation? Right. Right. Um, one more thing here quickly, because there's so many things I want to say, but again, I'm not just trying to keep referencing the other podcast, but the other podcast I did, I also came up against the point where this guy said, you know, we've treated the Bible like a house of cards. If one card falls, the rest of it falls. Hmm. And what I said on the podcast was, um, I wouldn't describe the Bible as a house of cards, but that's kind of true. If hmm. If there is a point of the scripture that's not true, that is false and a lie. That is that is false. That's myth. Yeah. Then how do we determine what what is is true in the scriptures? Right. Right. Um, now there are portions of the scripture that that clearly do tell us this is a parable or this is, you know whatever, right. but that's because the scripture told us that. Right. right? The scripture didn't tell us that Genesis is a myth. It didn't tell us that it's just simply some beautiful poetry about creation and what That's really happened. That's a dangerous assumption. Is. Yeah, it is. It's an assumption that is outside of scripture. So this matters because the Bible matters. And yeah. um, I'm sorry that I got on a soapbox there, um, but you asked. so I did. It's my fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so where you hang your hat here on what you determine to be truth mm -hmm. is why this matters, and that's where you're going to go. Yep. Uh, where you determine your source of truth, 
Um, and at the end of the day, friends, you have to make that decision is what is your authority yep. that you're appealing to? Um, because it's like, oh, that's an illogical fallacy, an appeal to authority. Well, what happens if there is a real authority? Right. What happens, I agree with you, a logical fallacy, um, to an extent sometimes. So circular reasoning, you're like, oh, that doesn't work unless it's true. Right. So there is truth. Right. A slippery slope, you know, fallacy unless it's true. Right. Um, so is there an authority? Is there an ultimate authority? Is there something that is objectively true no matter what? And if you can say, yes, the Word of God is objectively true, and that's what I hang my hat on, then there's only one conclusion to come to. Now, this is where I'm just asking you, because obviously we're not talking face-to-face here, evaluate your own heart and ask yourself that true question, what is? Because maybe you land differently than us, and you land in one of these other theories, and you're like, oh, wow, I never really thought this through. Okay, well, what is your objective truth? Mm-hmm. What is your authority? What are you hanging your hat on? Yep. What are you looking back to and says, okay, I get the Bible says this, but I just read this research paper last week that said, right. oh, wait a second. Well, may- maybe that is a, uh, a marker. Maybe that's a red flag that pops up in, yep. your, in your mind, in your heart. Not to say, once again, we can very easily walk away from this episode with people saying they are some Neanderthal, science hating little whatever you want to call us. You know they what I'm saying? They don't know science. They and don't know, and and they, don't. they reject. They don't believe science. Yeah. <laughs> like these jokers don't believe science. Yeah. So like, if you know me personally, that's just like the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah. From like the chemistry of the body and the way the body works. From nutrition is something that I study. Yep. It's something that I love. Um, but is it my objective truth? It's right. it, it, No, it's not my authority, yeah. um, nor is it the authority. And I guess that's really where we land here. This is not a subjective conversation. This is not a, hey, what is your truth? And whatever that is for you, then awesome, let it, let it be. Mm-hmm. No, there is a truth. Right. There is an objective truth. There is an absolute truth, and there's only one. Yep. And there can't be many the scriptures is it, and the scriptures does not share the stage. Mm-hmm. God's word does not share the stage with anything yep. else. Um, and if you are not there, email us, talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. Yep. Hey, yeah. If you if you really seriously want to defend your position in one of these other viewpoints, uh, um, we'd love to to have you on the podcast actually, and, yeah. and talk through it. Yeah. Um, not because we want to. We want to argue and we want to, we want to own you. That's not our, our, our intention. We, we enjoy having these conversations and we want to seek truth together. Um, it is our podcast, so we're going to give our viewpoint at the end of the day. Um, but we seriously, and we don't have to have you on the podcast. We just love to talk. That's not the point. The point is we yeah, want, to, just we want to come seek over truth. and talk. Yeah. We've done that before with people. We're down for that for sure. All right. That's it. Um, well, there's a lot of unanswered questions there, I'm sure, but Hey, that's a good that's a good foundation conversation for that. Oh, yeah. So, and hopefully we get emails. Hopefully yeah. we get questions at calfordcatechism at gmail.com. Yep. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought about going here, but I thought it would be a tangent, but I'm just going to drop this and then we'll sign off. Um, have you ever thought about the fact, you know, science wants to talk about, look at these fossils and we can see all this happen. Have you ever thought about the fact that we have these bone structures um, who's to say that these dinosaurs actually looked exactly like what these renderings are? Because all we have are the bones, right? And so I saw this uh, article one day that was like recreating 
you know, what these dinosaurs would have looked like based on the bone structures. And it's like completely different than what we've traditionally seen with like a T-Rex or all these different dinosaurs. So I thought that was interesting too, where like science doesn't know everything that it does claim to know about some of these dinosaurs. You're saying, you're saying who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say what they actually even look like? Spielberg. What are you, are you dumb? (laughs) Like Jurassic Park is literally what they look like. And you oh, will man. not prove me otherwise. All right. Well, I just thought that was funny and interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm done. Listen, we, we have, this is what, episode number four. four that we've recorded in the same day? Yeah. So if you can imagine spending this amount of time with Travis. Um, <laughs> it's a sanctifying day, dog. I am done. I'm done. And we still got more to go. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Fun times. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for tolerating us. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. We will be back, Lord willing, next time, next week-ish with another episode. Yeah. (laughs) Deuces, guys. Peace.